That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> you caught me. No, uh, um, I'm doing great. This is uh, the final NAFTA edition, possibly, and so. But um, yeah, no more, ep- uh, no more episodes where you're going to be recording from Mexico, La Ciudad de Mexico. Maybe. Distrito so we'll Federal. see. Depends on how strong we're feeling, but uh, um, yeah, things are great. Trucking along, and uh, we are in. If you're like me, your congregation uh, is uh, everybody's out and taking their last little bits of vacation. Uh, but you are planning for the fall, and you might be thinking about stewardship and. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're thinking about having a special episode on stewardship, a special episode on Advent in the fall. Looking forward to all of those things. But today's texts uh, really revolve around a little bit stewardship on some level, and we'll be touching on that a little bit. But before we dive in, Aaron, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Um, I my, my family saw the, the Minions movie. Yeah, what I'm going to say? Well, I'm despairing, Jake, but let's do this episode anyways. Um <laughs> It's like, it's like, how are you? Nobody really cares. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like uh, the next time somebody goes, Hey Jake, how are you? I'm going to be like, uh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy at my, my congregation that every time you ask him how he's doing, he has a couple of responses, but one is from, uh, the title of Joe Namath's book, uh, that former quarterback of the New York Jets. Uh, mm. um, he, I can't wait until tomorrow cause I get better looking every day. Oh, that's amazing. So that's how you can respond to that question next time somebody asks you. That is amazing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's, but let's get these. Uh, but I, I, am, I am really doing well. Thank you, Jake. Um, yeah. I love Joe Namath. His hair was amazing. It was, and he so wore, he he wore a fur coat with no apologies. Absolutely. That's right. And he had handlebar mustache for a long time. Yep. Made that very fashionable. So, um, and he wasn't yes. even from Brooklyn, but he was like... He was he was an early trendsetter with the facial hair. As a Jets fan, as a Jets fan, he is the fourth part of the Trinity. <laughs> so, um, but we're moving mm. on. Uh, so t- this this week you have your choice of Sirach or Sirach, as some people would say, or uh, you have Proverbs. And so uh, we're going to jump into Proverbs because it's shorter, um, but also um, well because uh, Sirach is part of the Apocrypha, and so. You can touch it if you want, but um, we're going to go with something and else. We, yeah, so the, in the Anglican tradition, the works of the Apocrypha are considered profitable for reading, Teaching. edifying for the church, but not Holy Scripture, not the Word of God. And so if you do have this passage read in your Sunday services, uh, please make sure you proof the bulletin, the leaflet, whatever you call it, and make sure the reader knows that at the end of this passage, you do not say the word of the Lord. You say, here ends the reading or here ends the lesson uh, because it is not something we've accepted as scripture. I choose not to, when, and there, there, there's a reason why in our 
Episcopal lectionary, whenever there's an apocryphal reading as an option, there's also always a reading option for the Old Testament from the canonical texts. Um, so people like me who are sticklers for this kind of thing and don't want to confuse the the, the person in your congregation because um, because for them, they they like uh, it. I don't know. I feel like it sends a little bit of a mixed message. So, anyways, mm. uh, we always go with the uh, actual canonical reading. So that's what that's what. We do, which mercifully is very short, and it's great because it actually has a clear tie-in, in my opinion, to the reading that to you're going to have for the for the gospel reading. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, it is a it is a teaching that Jesus expresses, and there's a reason why for that, and. Uh, We'll tap into it, but essentially, it's uh, yeah. Um, don't don't put yourself forward in the king's presence. You know, nothing is worse than saying you don't belong here. Right. So basically, he's talking to people who who want to um, uh, pretend that they're better than they are, who want to front, as it were, who want to um, kind of puff themselves up and and. Um, sort of walk arrogantly, sort of confidently into a place. He says, no, actually, that is not the Christian um, way. The Christian way is to take the lower place and be invited up forward. Um, And so there's this aspect of humility in Christianity, um, which seems to be sometimes in short supply. You want to take, you want to, you want to do your work, um, not to be praised, not to be seen. You want to take the lower place, and and the the way this connects to the gospel is that we do not rest on our accomplishments, we do not boast in the, our strengths, we do not um, say, "Hey, Lord, look at all the great things I've done. Don't you want to give me a gold sticker on my report card?" Instead, we say, um, "We are not worthy to have you come under our roof. We're not worthy to gather up the crumbs mm. from under your table." as the prayer book says, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. So we rely not on ourselves, but yeah. on God, who is the one who invites us higher by his grace. He's the one who imputes righteousness to us. So good. You know, I have a funny story about that. I think I've Do shared tell. before. Like I said, I only have 12 stories. Uh, but uh, um, uh, when I was a young man, I was invited to uh, my friend's wedding. And, um, uh, and, uh, it was at this amazing golf course at this wonderful country club. And, uh, of course, I was like 22 and an idiot and, you know, not really aware of how to behave in polite company. And um, and so, uh, anyway, I noticed that there was like a, an open bar. And so, of course, I w- uh, not an open bar. It was a pay bar. I thought it was an open bar. And all I had was like my debit card, which had no money on it, and a gas card. So, um course i ran to the gas station really quick and filled up my car and then got like you know 30 bucks extra because this is in the 90s and so i got 30 bucks extra and i ran back to the country club to try and hopefully have time for the open bar for the paid bar but anyway as i was coming across i noticed that in one of the banquet halls it was filled with people and there were people sitting down to dinner and so i come into the lobby and there's this huge amazing buffet and it says, you know, the, the wedding. And, uh, and so anyway, I was like, oh, are you guys serving? And the guy was like, yes. He should have said no, not yet, but he said yes. And so I proceed to like pile my food, like this plate, like <laughs> I was in college. And, you know, you're at a country club dinner. And so like, man, I had like two slices of roast beef, like all these rolls, uh, extra mashed potato. It was ridiculous. And, and <laughs> I had it. 
two beers in my hand. And anyway, so, but then I come in and I'm like, where's the reception? And like, they like direct me to this. And anyway, I walk in literally as they're announcing the bride and the groom. (laughs) Nobody has even like begun to eat except for me, this awkward jackass. You've just been to the Golden Corral Buffet. So I sit down in the first seat that I see, and instead of being cooler, ducking out and leaving the plate and coming in, I sit in the first plate that I see and I proceed to eat. Well, anyway, uh, one of like the people at the country club, one of the ushers comes up and is like, "I'm sorry, sir, you're sitting in the aunt, in in the bride's aunt seat. Um, what table were?" And I was like, "I don't know." And they gave me my, they like had me come with them, and then I was like escorted back. And I should have just left the plate, but I like held the plate like an idiot. So I'm like walking across the dance floor being guided by this usher to the back seat way in the back. And, you know, uh, and uh, really that is uh, to buy the kitchen where like the door of the kitchen kept slamming into me. Now the bride, she's a great friend of mine still to this day. And we, we always laugh hysterically about that story, but uh, that is what it is to uh, come into the presence of the King and, um, and, uh, and stand in the place of the great, and then be told to know your role. Uh, your seat is actually back by the kitchen. I'm I'm <clears> picturing <throat> you like when the guy comes up to you to move you to the back row. I'm like I'm, like you're like halfway through an enormous rib, and there's like barbecue oh, totally. sauce all over your face. Ooh, like what? Excuse me? Oh, <laughs> like but you can't talk. Yeah, you're, it was. What was your problem? It was prime <laughs> rib. Yeah, and I definitely like had like a half bitten roll <laughs> on the plate. I'm never. <laughs> <laughs> just like just like Jake just got out of prison and he's just like eating his first meal. Oh, oh I love man. it. My parents were mortified, but anyway, uh, you know. So, but <laughs> there it is. I've come a long way. So. Well, now you have your sermon illustration, people. So, uh, mm-hmm. Jacob Smith in his Rodney Dangerfield years. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, um, but anyway, and uh, there it is. You All know? right, so Hebrews so. thirteen. Let mutual love continue. This is uh, the, the just just as a reminder of where I was at in life in that moment. That <laughs> Don't justify night, yourself. That day, that day before the wedding. No, just letting you know where I was at in life. That day before the, I bought Limp Biscuits uh, debut album. So just to let you know where. And I were was you still driving that life. like teal Camry or whatever you talked about? Your heck yeah, uh, I was yeah t- totally man. Yeah. So and I had long sideburns. But anyway, back we're back to this. Did um, you have a puka Hebrews. shell necklace? Let mutual love continue. <laughs> no, I have like a hemp, hemp necklace, you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, uh, let mutual love continue. And, uh, and that's really, I mean, despite the ushers, the bride continued to show me that. Uh, she, uh, she showed hospitality to a stranger. She still danced with me. Hey. And uh, it was, uh, you know, there it is. And so we're still friends to this day. Well, <laughs> uh, the, um, this is the writer to the... Book of Hebrews. Again, some people have attributed this to St. Paul, uh, though that is most people... Bartholomew. Yeah. People think it's probably a sermon that was preached by somebody and then written down and circulated mm-hmm. as a letter to the churches. But this, So this is the, this, the end of the sermon. He's kind of getting all his little things, his kind of things I want you to do. And in light of everything I've said, this is what happens at the end of a lot of New Testament letters uh, or books kind of now, what does this look like as you live it out? And, it's, and uh, we as we would see this as description, not prescription. This is what a life 
captivated by the gospel and a believer who's experienced the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, it begins to look like this. Uh, it begins to look like showing hospitality to strangers. It begins to look like um, taking care of people who are in prison, who most people would reject. There, there's there's no prison fellowship mm-hmm. ministry, Charles Colson. There's no like uh, recreation no. yard. Like visiting prisons is a difficult business today, but it was even worse then. Um, and um, and he, this amazing thing, don't go as like some... Uh, I'm going to go into the prisons and be sort of a savior. Or I'm going to be like Johnny Cash playing at Folsom Prison. I'm, it's Remember that you, like, think of yourself as someone who's in prison. Think of yourself on the same level as the people that society would want to completely reject. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about marriage. This is, you know, well, we yeah. talk. he talks about sexuality. He says, you know, don't be a fornicator or adultery. Those are always super popular sermon topics. Uh, but what's interesting is that out of this list of whole things, we tend in the church, everybody knows that the church cares a great deal about sex. And so don't, and so this is the part of the list that's familiar to us. But just remember that he also talks, it, even before this, think something that's more important to him is make sure you think of yourself as low as people who are in prison and make sure you go visit them. And then right after this stuff, he talks about don't be greedy. Don't watch out for being um, someone who loves money. And this very radical teaching, be content with what you have. I would bet that somewhere around 99% of Christians in America today are not content with their material possessions, but want to upgrade. You want a bigger TV, you want a bigger couch, you want a better fridge, you want to get rid of those uh, old white appliances and get the new stainless steel appliances, the TV, the fridge with the TV in the door. Uh, but no. Yeah. And what well, what all these are the, what all these are are ultimately they're rooted in fears, uh, they're rooted in fears of what other people are going to think. You know what I mean? Um, uh, they're rooted in fears of uh, being unsatisfied with where God has actually placed you. Uh, and this kind of ties in also uh, to the reading from Proverbs and then eventually our gospel. We're unsatisfied with our seat at the table. And so, you know, we begin to, uh, whether it's forget those who are less than us because we think we're better than them, whether it's to, uh, you know, uh, if only I had, you know, made that right turn in Albuquerque and married my high school sweetheart, or if only, you know what I mean, or that, you know, the, the wandering eye or, or whether it's, you know, man, this, this, this particular lot in life, I, I'm not happy here. Like, I'm, I, this sucks, you know what I mean? And this is all because we forget that, as he says, you know, you can begin to be content with where you're at. Uh, you can begin to be, live a less fearful life when you remember that the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. And what can anyone do to me? Uh, God has your back, and God has placed you at a wonderful table, a heavenly table, where he serves himself, and he serves you uh, to, uh, to uh, know that he's got your back in this life. But really, that's what this is about, I think, is it's, it is, it's descriptive, but um, they are all things that uh, are rooted in our fears, fears of not adding up, fears of not having enough. Uh, fears of being identified with certain people. And uh, the truth is, is that remember, in the midst of it all, the Lord is your helper. Yeah, and we said at the beginning of this podcast that we were going to talk a little bit about stewardship, and it is common in the Episcopal Church that in the fall, so maybe in September, maybe in October, maybe in November, you're going to do some sort of stewardship series. But if you want to begin to prime the pump and plant the seeds for that conversation, this has some really good teaching about that. Again, this being content with what you have. Um, uh, many people, when they 
think about giving to a church, they are nervous, as Jake Keyes just said, like kind of their at their attitude is one of fear. Um, uh, but if you trust the Lord who is your helper, that frees you from needing to be clingy and um, uh, tight-fisted with your money. Um, and at the end of this passage, the writer says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And for the person who is, by God's grace, given to trust the Lord and to know that the Lord provides, you can joyfully give. Um, a sacrifice that's not pleasing to God is one that's like, you know, oh, fine, because my preacher keeps haranguing me in these Sunday services during stewardship time. I'll, I'll fill out a pledge card. Fine. That, that's mm-hmm. a hard-hearted attitude as opposed to one that's joy-filled and trusting in God and you can be a little bit um, uh, yeah. uh, generous. And, and I know, you know, I don't know what it'll be like when this episode drops, but of course, I don't think the economy will be um, like it was uh, pre-invasion Last of Ukraine, <laughs> pre-pandemic, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a challenging time. Uh, but yet... Somebody just pointed out on Twitter, we just finished celebrating the 4th of July, and it's like, everybody is complaining about inflation, but it doesn't seem like it impeded anyone's fireworks budget around me. <laughs> um, so, it's somehow we always find money for the things that we want to do, and um, what is going on in your own heart when you think about giving to the body of Christ, the church? Well, that's, and just that's, yeah, That's very powerful. Well, and I think that's the difference. Like, uh, the sacrifice God is not interested in, as, as you described, is an atoning sacrifice. Let me do this to earn something from God. Because it's already been um, done. <laughs> uh, the, the author of Hebrews says, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. Yeah. So, or as St. Paul would say in Romans, a living sacrifice. Um, it's, what, is, what is a praise of sacrifice? Well, it's a fruit. Mm. Notice that he doesn't say this is a work, but this is a fruit. This is something that comes forth. Yeah. From the lips that confess his name. Yep. And so, you know, and so that is, uh, that is where good, because it's not necessarily us doing it. It's the spirit working through us uh, for the sake of this proclamation ministry. And I'll tell you. So that others might, might, might confess his name as well. Yep. And by the way, uh, in the Book of Common Prayer of the Episcopal Church, there's um, offertory sentences which are given to the minister as you make the transition from the liturgy of the word to the liturgy of the table, when you come to the table of God's grace, this table of the Last Supper, which we remember, um, the the congregation is invited to make a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, which is what the Eucharist is, the the meal of Holy Communion. It's a sac- It's not a sacrifice, atoning sacrifice. That's been done. This is a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And so the transition at that point of the service is to offer unto God um, a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And that's the point at which the ushers pass the plates, typically. And the Book of Common Prayer gives certain um, offertory sentences, verses of Scripture that the preacher can say to remind people of, of uh, what, how Christians think about giving. And um, this, this passage from Hebrews ends today with, um, with one of those verses that we use. It's one of the offertory sentences that is given in the in it's verse 16, do not forget to do good and share with others such with such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So just a little tie into Episcopal uh, um, yeah. prayer book stuff, if that's it's interesting good. to you. If not, 
move on, and we come to our gospel, Luke chapter 14, verses 1. It skips some verses, then picks up verses 7 through 14. It skips verses because it's it's a story of healing, um, which just kind of echoes what we talked about for last week's reading, basically the same gist, except this time it was a guy who got healed of some ailment, and it's Jesus, and he does it on the Sabbath again. Luke just underlining that point again, that Jesus heals on the Sabbath, Jesus breaks the rules, because Jesus... Um, is concerned with setting people free, not obedience um, to the law for its own sake. But this, well, yeah. And, but what happens, yeah, and so then you come to the, our particular part of the reading, beginning in verse 7, and uh, basically, you know, there's this banquet being thrown, and of course they've invited Jesus, but, you know, if, you, if you're measuring yourself up on the law, we're never really honest. You know what I mean? We're never honest with who we actually are. And so Jesus takes this, uh, takes this, uh, this banquet, and he offers this parable, yeah, you know, and, and uh, offers this parable of a banquet where everybody's jockeying for their position, and uh, and uh, wanting to take a, take a seat at the top place. And uh, that's because if you measure yourself up by the law, uh, you're never inclined to be negative about yourself. You're always inclined to think of yourself as better than you are. You should be at the higher table. Yeah. I mean, can't tell you how many how many times I thought, or I've heard, you know, kids say when they come home, they're like, I swear, I thought I got an A on that thing. No one's like, oh, I definitely got an F. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it is one of the, you know, um, it is, uh, you always think of yourself as better than you actually are. And Jesus is uh, 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 putting us in our place so that we might know ultimately in the gospel, our true place. We don't stay negative. Uh, we move to the positive because Christ is the positive. Yeah, there is. We're we're making our way through season four of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime, and they get a bunch of uh, comped tickets to this opening night of a Broadway show. And there's six people in the party. Four of them get like front row or like kind of orchestra center, and then there's two tickets for the mezzanine. Huh. And there's this kind of jockeying, like who get, and it's basically like the divorced former son-in-law and the Gentile friend get the mezzanine seats and everybody else gets the, this Jewish family. They all take the, the, the seats in the, you know, the best seats. And, uh, and that is just so human that we all, you know, we want the best seat as, as kids. We want the biggest piece of cake. Um, as, uh, grownups, we want the higher social standing or whatever the case may be. And almost everybody is kind of pretending to be better than they actually are. Um, and I, we lived in Houston for some time and Houston is a city where there is a lot of money, but because there's so much money, there's a lot of pressure to look like you have a lot of money and, um, and real estate can be pricey. And it was sort of this thing, people, everybody knew somebody and maybe more than one somebody who had a great big house in a great big neighborhood uh, of very fancy people, and they had, like, no furniture. They had, like, a bed and a dresser and a toothbrush, and that was it. <laughs> because they were living, they were pretending to be at a higher seat than they actually were. And, um, uh, and gosh, we all do this. And, and Jesus notices this. That's what I love about this passage. Jesus, he noticed, like, Jesus, I just sit, Jesus, Jesus is a people watcher. He just kind of sits back. He's watching where people are sitting. He's like, isn't it interesting that people choose, choose the best seats? Um, and he has this teaching, which he would have been quite familiar with the book of Proverbs because he wrote it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so, he's, he's just saying, um, you know, there's an attitude Take the low seat. that you go into life with. Take the low seat. And be humble. And, and why? Yeah. Because God's your friend. 
And uh, God yeah. in Jesus will say, move up higher. You know, then you'll be honored yeah. in the presence of all. Because, you know, he always exalts the lowly. And uh, if you, yeah, if you've, if you've received the gospel and know that you don't have to earn anything and you're totally loved and accepted, you can sit in the lowest seat. You can, you're free. It's only someone who's under the law of performance mm. and earning that needs to then ex- try to, you know, push themselves forward and puff themselves up and pretend like they're better than mm. they are. The gospel, though, frees you from all that. The gospel frees you to go to the grocery store in your sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> or just take the lower seat. So, um, but um, yeah, yeah. And then, but I love this. And then he also said to the one who was invite, who had invited him, when you give a luncheon and dinner, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, invite the weirdos. You know what I mean? Invite those who would not be able to impay, repay you. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Um, mm. What does this mean in a practical sense? Uh, um, gosh, that's difficult. <laughs> well, I, th- I think Jesus, I mean, so I think he's doing a couple things. Uh, he is, again, revealing to people how even when we think we're being good, we're actually being that's self-serving. Right. We, think, we think we're so great about we're hosting this party and look at us being hospitable. And, oh, we have great. this amazing soup kitchen. Last we have week. this amazing soup kitchen, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. And really, but maybe it's just about you. Like, you know, there's this verse in Hebrews, the one we've just heard, don't, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. So we think we're being good. We're showing hospitality. But are we just inviting people that to, you know, basically enhance our own reputation or mm. whatever? Um, and this applies, when you go to a party, are you, and, uh, are you looking for people to connect with, to network, as it were, uh, which, again, this is as opposed to talking to somebody who maybe is standing on the edge and looking a little bit out of place. Mm. Uh, we tend to um, exploit other people. We tend to see other people as projects or uh, objects that can help us as opposed to seeing them as human beings. So there's a word there where Jesus is revealing That's the dark motives of the so human powerful. heart, which is what he does in the in the in the Sermon on the Mount. But there's another thing here too where Jesus is also talking about mm-hmm. himself. Because when Jesus comes to earth, he does not gravitate towards positions of power. He does not um, create some sort of religious system where you can move up the ranks like Scientology by paying more and more money. He instead goes to... Jesus is describing himself. He is the one who um, invites the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind when he gives a banquet. And every Sunday when you have the banquet of the Lord's Supper at your church, um, you are inviting the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Some people may look like they're not in that category, but they, they all are. And what he says about human beings in this story is that none of us can repay. Yeah. We're all broke. We're all Jacob Smith at a wedding banquet who has to like go to the gas station to get the last 30 bucks out of his account to try to like... You know, and, but, but there's nothing to repay, um, nothing to buy, because it's all free. It's all given to you. So uh, this... It, you can definitely you can talk about this how this reveals the human heart, but don't end there. End on the fact that this is a story about how Jesus treats us because he has a banquet and we are all invited, um, even though we mm. don't deserve to be on the guest list. This uh, this is just another just interesting illustration about all of that. Um, um, just uh, Chasen Buttigieg, who's Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation's husband. He talked about that in a, a Washington Post article. What it was to be, you know. Um, 
what it was to be a spouse of someone who serves with the president. And they would talk about how they'd get invited to these parties and he's very excited they're new to DC and they think that they're gonna meet some new friends, but actually, you know, Chasen's discovering even at like these spouse gatherings, people are meeting him to meet Pete so that they can get some sort of traffic favor or some sort of favor with this uh-huh. or that. And uh, it's uh, and you know, and he began to realize to be the spouse of someone who works in the president's cabinet is not a place where they're going to make a lot of friends, but can be a very lonely road to hoe. And um, and uh, that is true. And um, and it's also yeah. And so I just thought of that as you were talking, and uh, that you know, yeah. um, uh, it reveals what Jesus is doing is revealing our hidden motives. And so and um, and uh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I think clergy spouses could relate to that story Very much as well. So. Uh, not that we're like the president or whatever, no. but people mm-hmm. treat you differently when they know. But that's the thing. Human beings, we tend to look to other people to meet our mm-hmm. own needs as opposed to going to them. How can we serve them? How can we bless them? And the good news is that Jesus, however, comes to us not with the attitude of what can you do for me, but he comes to us with the attitude of how can I serve you? Praise yep. God. Well, that is a great place to end. And, uh, and uh, happy preaching, everyone. See you next week. Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.